Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be giving my commentary on Sister Wives, Season 4, Episode 8, No Place Like Home. This episode, four of the oldest brown kids head back to their old stomping grounds to Utah for spring break. They visit their old house and Hunter plays a little prank on Leo. Leo blows a gasket because Hunter pretended he got in trouble for underage drinking and being out past curfew. And this episode, we also get to see the first official meeting for the failed My Sister Wives Closet. Robin gives us an inside look at her doodles. I mean, her professional jewelry designs. The episode opens with Logan, Hunter, Maddie, and Leo explaining how they're headed back to Utah for spring break. They're going to see family and friends. Logan says a whole week in Utah will be epic. All the kids are super excited. They're getting their bags in the car. And Hunter complains that Maddie's bag is bigger than both of his bags put together. With a teenage girl or any woman for that matter, He is lucky there was just one bag. We come prepared. Maddie points out she works out daily and she has everything she needs in her bag. It's just one bag. Logan points out Maddie's a girl because, of course, that would excuse the massive bag or the luggage explosion. Logan grew up with lots of women and he probably knows them well. He explains that they're visiting Utah to kick it with friends. They're not going to go to school. Maddie wants to go hiking when she's there, and Logan seems like a wise old soul, like an old man. He's very wholesome. He's stoked about visiting family and the grandparents. They're going to be doing stuff that they used to do when they lived in Utah. All the stuff they miss, all the stuff that they are nostalgic about. Also going to visit the Lehigh house, of course, and... That's the house, of course, that they basically grew up in. Cody hopes it doesn't upset them. Hunter hugs his mom, Janelle, goodbye. And Janelle tells Hunter the only reason she lets him go on trips like this without any adults present is there is family all along the way. There is family all along the route. And there is family when they get there. They're going to be staying with family. They're going to be staying with Bonnie, Mary's mom. May she rest in peace. Wow, when I was a teenager, my mom got me a ticket to France where my aunt and grandparents lived and I flew there all by myself and I had to switch flights and everything with luggage and a disability and connecting flights and hours and hours sitting on the airplane. This road trip is simple from Vegas to Utah. Hogan tells his mom that they are going to go on a trip to California next time and Janelle tells Logan he can think that. She doesn't think so. The brown kids have always seemed super mature and super responsible. If I could make it to France in one piece, they will make it to Utah on a road trip, no problem. And they're also going in a group. Mary thinks it's weird that they're sending the teens on a road trip by themselves with no supervision. It's not weird. It's a learning experience. It's normal. It's good to teach them responsibility. Cody explains that since they went public about their faith, there has been a lot of tension in the family. They flash back to the drama before they fled Utah under the cover of night, where Robin explains in this flashback scene that Monday night they got word that the police department is doing an investigation into the family 
to see if they are charged with bigamy. They flash back to a family meeting where Maddie tells her dad and the family that someone was asking her today in school if her dad was going to jail today. Cody says the chance that his family could be split up just turned out to be too big of a risk. Now, I've gone over this like a broken record, but in the media, the law was very vocal. Officials were very vocal about how the Browns would only be charged with bigamy if other crimes were also being committed. The policy was known, and the policy was not to charge for bigamy alone. There was no family separation or threat of family separation. And there was no bigamy charge unless they found other crimes being committed. And the investigation concluded with zero charges and zero additional crimes being found. That was the policy back then, and the Browns knew this. Cody used family separation, the threat of that, as a storyline, and I believe he wanted to unite his kids into moving to Vegas, something that he wanted. Back to the flashback scene, Cody speaks to his gathered family before they move. He is announcing the move to them and he tells his kids they apologize that they have had to be kind of secretive about this. They've had to be careful about this, but they are going to move in three days and they're loading up this weekend. The kids look shocked. They look traumatized. They look devastated. They look heartbroken. And for many of them, this move to Vegas was incredibly difficult emotionally. It caused trauma and stress for some kids. They experienced symptoms of depression and anxiety or what looked like symptoms of that. Not all the kids adjusted well to this move. They didn't adjust easily to Vegas and not all of them adjusted well to Vegas. And the difference between Utah and Vegas, I mean, Vegas could practically be another country. Cody explains that they decided to move to Vegas and they flash back again to an old scene with Cody telling cameras in a panic, it's a little freaky, but the sheriff drove by today. Christine explains that that right there is why they're moving as she is packing boxes in a rush. And there's the scene, of course, of Mary urging Hunter to hurry and get things shoved into the back of the rental truck with sirens wailing in the background for dramatic effect as Mary struggles to lock the door. Cody explains when they first moved to Vegas, some of the kids really couldn't separate themselves from Utah still. They were still connected to Utah. Keep in mind that Cody gave the kids no advance notice. They weren't allowed to say goodbye to their friends. They weren't allowed any closure. Utah was all they have ever known. And they may as well have moved to another country because Vegas is a completely different culture than Utah. Janelle explains when her kids would sometimes go back to Utah for trips, like for spring break vacation, for example, some of the older kids would come home, they would mope around, they were laying around in their beds, depressed. Whenever they would come back from Utah, they were agitated, they were slamming doors, they were emotional. And they flash back on the show to Hunter during his dark phase where he just wants to chill up in his room, wants to isolate. All he wants to do is go up in his room. And Cody asks Hunter, what? What do you want to do? Just sit and not live life? And Hunter says, mm-hmm. And this is when they first get to Vegas. Hunter is very down. He has a difficult time adjusting. 
And Cody asks Hunter why he wants to just fold here. And he asks Hunter, why do you want to just give up on it? And Hunter responds, because I don't care in the flashback scene. Cody explains that he doesn't mind his kids going up there visiting Utah now, as long as they are developing nurturing relationships here in Vegas, as long as they are actively involved in Vegas, so it doesn't make them depressed to go back. He feels now that the kids have friends in Vegas and they're actively involved in school and sports and friendships and relationships, going back now is not a problem. Hunter admits he likes it in Vegas more than he used to. It's getting better, but he would still take Utah over Vegas. Visiting Utah now is different than it used to be, Hunter says. It's different because he isn't as close to everyone there. Maddie explains it's a lot easier now to visit and come back because at first they felt depressed after visiting Utah when they got back to Vegas. Logan wants to know what Maddie's plans are in Utah. He asks her if she has friends she's going to hang out with. Maddie laughs at the question. She asks, do I have friends? Logan feels like each time he visits Utah and returns to Vegas, there is less holding him there. In Utah, he feels. Logan says he feels when you aren't around to cultivate relationships, they don't necessarily die. They just get less reliant. Every time Logan speaks, I seriously feel like I'm listening to a wise old man. He says you rely on them less. You rely on those friends less. Logan says he realized there are some people he will know forever and there are some people he is just destined not to know. The kids arrive at Grandma Bonnie's house. Of course, Bonnie is Mary's mother. May she rest in peace. Of course, she passed away. Grandma made a smorgasbord for the kids. Logan explains that grandmas are the best cooks, hands down. Yo enjoyed the family reunion. A lot of the extended family is there. It was nice for them to get together with some of their aunts and uncles and their grandma to just have dinner. Leo remembers when they were little, they used to do that all the time. And now it's been a really long time since this has happened. Ladies, if you suffer from symptoms of menopause or perimenopause, like cramps, mood changes, decreased libido, hot flashes and night sweats, the herbs and nutrients in Eve's Harmony can support your hormonal health and restore balance to your system so you can live your best life. You shouldn't have to suffer through the discomfort of hormonal imbalance. All the ingredients in Eve's Harmony are all natural and non-GMO, so you don't have to worry about what you're putting into your body to get relief. Eve's Harmony is filled with top-of-the-line, all-natural, non-GMO ingredients like black cohosh, an herb that is used to reduce hot flashes and other menopause symptoms. And red clover is a plant source of isoflavones that can alleviate menopause symptoms and eczema. The soy isoflavones in Eve's Harmony bind to estrogen receptor sites. This means they can counteract decreasing estrogen levels and ease menopausal symptoms, reducing the effects of excess estrogen. Sage strengthens the immune system and reduces hot flashes. And red raspberry contains polyphenol antioxidants, vitamin A, and vitamin C to keep you at your best. These all-natural herbs and nutrients can help you regulate your hormones and get all-natural relief from hormone-related symptoms the natural way, all non-GMO, all helping you get the relief you need 
from the symptoms without denting your wallet and without the worry of what you are putting into your body. Eve's Harmony is all natural and it doesn't break the bank. Get relief from your menopause symptoms and live your best life with Eve's Harmony. Head to evesharmony.com and use the promo code SISTERWIVES to get 15% off your first order. Just head to evesharmony.com and use the promo code SISTERWIVES to get 15% off your first order. You don't want to miss out. The link is in the description, evesharmony.com. It's that easy. Get relief today. Logan is talking with his uncle about how the older generation used to use the word hairy for sketchy. Janelle's ex, Adam, Mary's brother, explains he was a little shocked when he first found out that the Browns were heading to Vegas. He thinks for the benefit of the family and for the benefit of the children and the safety of the children, moving to Vegas was absolutely the move that the Browns could make. Leo plans to move back to Utah for college. They thought about the fact, though, that their family is going to be six hours away from them. And they thought about the time when they have kids. Their mom won't be with them. And it made them sad that their family won't be right there. But Leo knows one thing for sure. They aren't staying in Vegas. Logan says they've all settled into Vegas. They get why their parents moved them to Vegas. But Logan doesn't think their opinions have changed much. They have just come to terms more with the fact that they now live in Vegas. It doesn't mean that they love it now or they like it more than Utah. But they've come to terms with it. Next up, Leo gets pranked. They are so freaking uptight. This was hilarious. Maddie explains that the night before, Leo spent the night at their cousin Haley's house and Leo wouldn't answer their phone. And it was April Fool's, so the other brown kids wondered what would make Leo tick, what would piss them off. And they thought they would play a joke on them. So Leo walks in the next morning, and Logan asks if they're okay, because they weren't answering their phone. And Leo says, yeah, they're okay. Logan is a good actor. He says, there is some really rough stuff going on, and Maddie is on the phone. She's sounding very serious. Logan is serious and he asks Leo, did you hear? Leo says, no, they don't know what's going on. Maddie does some good acting too. She explains that Hunter has been arrested for being out past curfew and with alcohol. Shame, shame. Logan backs it. He says, Hunter freaking got arrested and Leo buys it. And I mean, they almost have a fucking coronary. Face changes. They raise their voice spazzing out, screaming, Hunter got arrested? It's so dramatic. Leo throws their stuff on the ground. They stomp around in anger. They're seething, screaming, the idiot, the idiot. You're kidding, you're kidding. They were really fucking pissed. Logan and Maddie, of course, start cracking up as Leo stomps off in anger, Way, 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 way overreacting. Overreacting in the ways we've seen Mary overreact at times. Leo calls Maddie into the room and they're in there. They're going to speak privately. And Maddie explains how in their religion, they don't drink. So they knew that would be a really, really, really big deal. It would be huge to Leo. This is way before Leo even came out when they were still saying they wanted to be a polygamist. 
and they were very goody two shoes and very into the religion and stuff. Leo was super into the culture. Remember when they wanted to stay in their church school, when all the kids went to public school and everyone, all of their siblings were very, very worried about them when they were maybe going to be pushed into going to public school, which they knew that Leo hated with the other siblings. So Maddie explains how they pretended that Hunter came back in through the door when Leo and Maddie were talking in Leo's room as if he had just been dropped off by the police. Maddie exits Leo's room after talking and Maddie explains through laughs that Leo's mad, really mad. Mary was even in on this prank. Maddie texted Mary to tell Leo that they had to go home. They had to cut the trip short because of Hunter's run-in. The trip was done. Leo got the text from Mary and they were very mad already and now they are like level 10 mad. Leo is pissed, explaining, we have to go home, screaming, getting really irate. And Maddie explains, yeah, mom and dad kiboshed the trip. If looks could kill, Leo is about to kill Hunter. It's about to be true crime on TLC. Leo asks Hunter with rage, because of you? We have to go home because of you? <laughs> she is so pissed. At this point, Maddie can tell that if she lets this escalate, Hunter may no longer be breathing in a few moments. So she breaks the news that it's April Fool's and it takes a second for Leo to register it. And then after a minute, they're all smiles. Logan hugs Leo and Leo tells him, no, no, no. You told me my perfect little brother had alcohol. Everyone is laughing. I'm glad the kids got this memory on film because they can always look back and watch this and smile. This is a fun memory and they can show their kids. Leo wants Logan, Hunter, and Maddie to know they have it coming. Watch out. No one looks scared by that. The wives and Cody are gathered for a momentous occasion next. Led by the Goblin, Goblin announces that their first meeting for My Sister Wife's Closet now comes to order as she bangs on the table. Goblin explains in confessional, with a lovely gift on her lip, how a long time ago she had this dream to have like a woman's boutique type of business. Robin explains how at Christmas time, 2011, she went to Brandon Adams, a local jeweler, and she had him take her design and make a prototype of it for a necklace for her sister wives for Christmas. Robin says it was like the first step in this dream of opening the business called My Sister Wives Closet. The failed business, the dream of Robin's, that Cody pursues ahead of Janelle's dream of opening up the fitness center. Cody and his wives are sitting at this meeting and Cody asks his wives, what are we launching with? How many pieces? Cody doesn't know. Robin suggests that if they can nail down the sister wives ring and the necklace with the SW, that would be good. She thinks that's a start. They close up on this charm necklace and I don't even think I could get a great grandma to sport it. Wow. It looks cheap. It's clunky. It's thick. It's not delicate at all. 
Cody looks at Robin's doodles. It looks like chicken scratch, like scribbles that look like a five-year-old scribbled on a piece of paper when they were bored in class. And Robin points out, there's S's and there are W's. There's S's and there's W's. Great. How many middle-aged women are looking to learn their ABCs? How many middle-aged women want something that says sister wife on it or SW? Christine says, that's cool, SW for sister wife. Hooked on phonics works, guys. Cody points out that Robin could add another one right there, and he suggests Robin could have three hearts that linked with three other hearts or two hearts that linked with two other hearts. How cute. These necklaces will teach you shapes, letters, and addition too. Janelle cuts the bullshit. Christine is trying to be polite. Her face shows that she finds this ridiculous. They're all looking at Robin's chicken scratch drawings like WTF, what the fuck is this? Christine, being polite, tells Robin, oh, there are infinite possibilities. But Janelle comes out and she tells it like it is. Janelle says, to me, the sister wife, the SW, is way less trite. But the interlocking hearts forming SW is very trite to her. She says in a displeased way, there's 10 billion hearts stuck out there. Janelle says she would wear the SW pendant, but not the interlocking hearts. And it's basically interlocking hearts in an S and a W upside down and then right side up and then upside down and then right side up interlocking. And Janelle points to the hearts design with the SW and she straight up says, this to me is like, oh my God, I'm five as in five years old. So someone told the truth and it was Janelle. Robin argues with what Janelle says. She says they want something that's very solid. Cody listens to Janelle and he says maybe it should be something different than just the hearts. Mary admits she herself would stay away from the hearts. Robin says with SW, they are not saying sister wife. They're promoting who they are as strong women. The SW isn't for sister wife or sister wives. It's for strong women. Mary points out SW can stand for strong woman and sister wife. And get this, Robin had never even realized it before. To her, SW was strong woman. To everyone else, it was sister wife. And so Mary points out SW could stand for strong woman and sister wife. And at this, Robin gives her mouth wide open and she says she hadn't thought of that. It's so clever. And she high fives Mary. So with this necklace, guys, you can learn your ABCs. SW. Robin high fives Mary the genius. And Cody fist bumps Mary and tells her, good job. Good for thinking that SW not only stands for sister wife, but it stands for strong woman. Cody was pleased. She got a good job marrying a fist bump. This is like the blind leading the deaf here. Mary explains that back before anybody knew that Cody had more than one wife, when they were very private about their situation, they could do these amazing things because they were all combined into just one wife. 
just her or just Janelle, just one of them who did everything. Janelle explains you could have a career and keep a house and raise 10 kids. You could be a superwoman because no one knew there were sister wives at home helping you out. Mary points out you would never call in sick because people thought that they were all superwomen. Nobody knew that they had sister wives. Brandon, the jeweler, arrives to the business meeting, to this powwow. Cody explains that Brandon brings his expertise to the table and they're asking to use Brandon's expertise. They want Brandon to partner with them. Brandon explains that this is what he does. He's a jeweler, whether he works with polygamists in the neighborhood or whether it's with anyone else. Cody says they don't have to worry with Brandon about any undertones of, oh, I'm doing business with those polygamists again. Brandon reassures Cody, not at all. He says he has gotten to know the Browns well enough to realize they are pretty normal people. And Christine reassures Brandon that they don't judge him for being a monogamist either. Cody says he thinks Brandon thinks it's funny that they're plagues. As long as he gets paid, I doubt Brandon gives a flying fuck what they do in their lives. Robin mentions how with my sister wife's closet, it's the idea that your wardrobe and your jewelry and anything else is expanded because you have more people in your life. If what Robin is wearing during this meeting, including her clothes and her costume jewelry, is any indication of the junk at my sister wife's closet, it's no wonder it tanked in no time. Brandon asks, are polygamous women really that different than all the other women in the world? Christine asks what Brandon means by that. And Brandon explains that women don't like that. Christine asks, you mean they hate to share? And Brandon says, women don't love to give their charms out or their boots or their scarves or their husbands. At this, Robin condescendingly calls Brandon honey. I think she thinks she's cute and she points her pen at Cody and she tells Brandon, yeah, but honey, if we can share him, we can share anything. Of course, if they can share a dick, what's a pair of boots or some undies or some strong women SW bracelet charms, right? Brandon tells Robin that's an excellent point. He had overlooked that and he looks totally uncomfortable. Cody explains that one of his favorite things about my sister wife's closet is, like the fitness center that never was, everybody's invested. Uh, that's not exactly true. Christine expresses reservations about my sister wife's closet a little bit later on. And Janelle later on expresses major reservations that realistically, my sister wife's closet isn't a family business that will sustain the family or give them enough income. It's more a niche hobby business. And of course, she was right about that. Also, Cody could flip his investment levels at any minute. Let's not forget, Cody got very invested in the fitness center. They got Bill the trainer involved. They got the real estate agent Mona involved. They got the investor involved who read obvious shit from a notebook. They scoped out locations, and at the last minute, Cody backed out to push Robin's dream on the group. Robin also manipulated Cody and her sister wives by making that ugly Christmas present for her sister wives 
a first design for her dream. And that was all she wrote as far as all of Janelle's hard work and Janelle's passion. All of that for the fitness center was put on a back burner for this bullshit. And all of a sudden, after pretending he was all in and convincing Janelle he wanted to go forward with the gym idea, getting an investor, finding a trainer, looking at equipment, finding a rental space, involving the real estate agent, Cody all of a sudden told Janelle, oh, sell it to me. You have to sell it to me. I don't feel like you've sold me on this. And Janelle was shocked because all of a sudden it was like a switch flipped. And now, bye-bye fitness center, hello, my sister wife's closet. Robin's dream, of course. Cody is all into my sister wife's closet overnight. I guess Robin used some of that best customer service on Cody late night after late night. Maybe she put all that Victoria's Secret crap she bought that she was in debt for to good use. Cody explains that everybody is invested in this, just like the fitness center, but unlike the fitness center, my sister wife's closet has very inexpensive startup costs. Now, let's recall, Janelle suggested that they would need around $22,500, something in that area to get the gym going to do the fitness center. For Robin's dream, the family borrows double or triple that amount from the pawn shop guy. Janelle points out that they have some huge expenses coming up. They're wanting to get into these homes and they have college tuition to pay for their kids as well. My sister wife's closet was never gonna end up being the Browns money tree. It was never gonna be able to sustain the family. Janelle says they need to get some more money coming in. She says if they have a little bit of luck that this business, my sister wife's closet, will be able to help fund the other business that they're interested in. So basically Janelle is hoping if my sister wife's closet is successful, they can use the profits to maybe open the fitness center. Robin interrupts Janelle with, which is brilliant. She's trying to really kiss Janelle's ass. Oh, that idea is brilliant. If my sister wife's closet is successful, we can use it to fund this other business we're interested in. But she knows Janelle's dream has had to be put on a back burner because of her dream. And they end up borrowing more money than it would have even cost Janelle to open the gym from what she projected on the show. Robin says she feels like the diversity between the four women is their strength in this business because they have so much, they have so many tastes that they can come to the table to appeal to so many women. Robin really fills it. She thinks it's awesome. I love how Janelle was suggesting that maybe Robin's business can help fund the fitness center and Robin interrupts her and diverts it back to my sister wife's closet. How it's brilliant, how the four women are an asset because they have different tastes that they can use to create jewelry to appeal to a wider variety of women. She doesn't want Janelle talking about her dream that didn't happen because of Robin's dream being made a priority by Cody. Janelle doesn't look happy with Robin's deflection. I think Robin thinks she is going to be the new Tiffany & Co. With those price points that she debuted with, it wouldn't take much more money to get a charm bracelet from Tiffany's that looks much better and much more refined than the stuff, the clunky, cheap-looking stuff 
that she made. While the older kids were in Utah for spring break, Cody decided to take the little kids to mini golf. So they split the family up into teams of one parent and some of the kids, and it got very competitive. According to Christine, her team is completely dominating. They're winning. For Cody, mini golf isn't about winning. It's about the process. Christine interrupts with of cheating your way through it because apparently Christine is a notorious cheater in the family and she's very competitive. But to me, Cody seems like he's totally the kind of guy who would cheat to win. He would do anything to be the winner, whether he wins it on merit or by force. That's typical of people with narcissistic qualities, by the way. Cody's laughing and he says Christine's dad is so sick and tired of Christine and her siblings cheating that if one person cheats just once, he will quit the game. Cody explains that Christine has this reputation of cheating when it comes to games. Christine cheats on camera, by the way, and she acknowledges it. And she also acknowledges that she is not instilling good morals in her children. She's joking, of course. Cody says the thing is, Christine has cheated so many times that they don't even know what to think. Cody is keeping track of scores and Mary's at 63. Christine says she's at 58. Cody says nobody believes Christine. Christine jokes that she hasn't cheated this whole time. She totally cheated on camera and blatantly. I guess the win just hit her hand when she tapped the ball and called out three and then she tapped it again and yelled out that it took three strokes to get the ball in the hole when that wasn't the case at all. Everybody's laughing and Cody points out the leaderboard is now at Christine is at 58 and everybody in the family thinks she's cheating. Mary tells Christine that all of these years of cheating have finally caught up with her. Mary and Christine are neck and neck and Cody points out that Christine is very clever at cheating. Cody feels that cheating is all about convincing yourself that you are innocent. Mary and Christine are arguing about the score and Cody points out that this is very dangerous for a man, but he trusts Christine and he doesn't think she cheated this time. Janelle, of course, thinks Christine cheated. Everyone is laughing. Everyone is happy. And it is such a stark contrast to the later seasons when Cody grows to resent his family and treat them like a burden. And he refers to his family, his wives and kids, other than Robin and her kids, as the obstacles to his goals in life. So seeing the family so happy is just such a contrast when you juxtapose it against the later seasons. Back in Utah, Logan gets his siblings to go on a hike. They visit Utah Lake. It's beautiful. It's very picturesque, very beautiful. And Logan explains that Utah is a very rugged beauty. And the only beauty he sees in Vegas is fake. He says it's all fake. It's fake palm trees. It's brown all year round. And Leo explains that their parents have always told them to pick what they want in their lives. And their dad has always stressed to them that if they don't want to live a plural marriage like the parents have, then that is okay with him. What's important to them is them choosing what they want to do with their lives, what would make them happy. And Leo says when they're older, they plan on being in a plural marriage. That's something they have wanted. But Leo points out that doesn't mean that they 
aren't going to make something of themselves. Leo says they wanted to be a doctor since they were seven years old. And just because they want to have sister wives, it doesn't mean they aren't going to make anything of themselves or pursue their dreams. After hiking, the older kids have a picnic. Hunter complains that nobody has a picnic in 30 degree weather. Hunter thinks it's stupid. It's a dumb idea to have a picnic in the cold. Fuck yeah, 30 degrees is cold AF and it's super windy on top of that. So add wind chill to that and then sit there and have a picnic in the wind. Hunter is pissy and he tells Logan the plan to have a picnic in the cold was dumb and he can't believe Logan thought of it because nobody goes to have a picnic in 40 degree weather. Logan says he just wanted to eat by the lake. Hunter isn't hungry. He's cold. He's pissed off. He wants to leave. It's too cold. It won't work. So he has everyone carry the stuff back. Maddie is starving. She wants to eat. And Logan says they were all whining and he just wanted to eat and sit down. He wanted to enjoy the view. And it wasn't as cold as everyone complained that it was. They do the picnic in another area and Hunter insists he is never coming down here again. Logan really wants to enjoy his time. It's a beautiful park, but it is super cold. He's really trying to stay positive despite the complaining, despite Hunter's bad attitude and his whining, which I understand why Hunter's pissed. I would never have sat in cold weather like that, no matter what the view was. But Logan is trying to be very positive, and he says that it was really nice to get out there, and Hunter lets him know, no, it wasn't. Logan's reaching the end of his rope with Hunter's attitude and he tells Hunter and all the other whiners that they need to drink a big glass of man the fuck up. Leo screams Logan. She can't believe he just said that. It's a complete overreaction, like totally spazzing out as if she found him, you know, drunk or doing something crazy. All he did was drop an F-bomb. So what? She freaks out. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, it's the end of the world. Logan said the F word. Oh my God. You know, so, oh no. He said, fuck. Oh no. Oh, what are we going to do? Mel explains that Logan is a really good kid, but he's been experimenting a little bit lately using some language that he knows shocks her. Saying fuck doesn't mean someone is unintelligent or classless or dumb. People give it way too much value and connotation. Janelle says she isn't giving Logan's new behavior a lot of attention. She doesn't think it's part of his character. Listen, throwing out the F-bomb isn't an indication of bad character. Cody is amused. He looks like he wants to bust out laughing. Janelle thinks it'll pass and Logan uses bad language when he's extremely frustrated and she thinks Logan is maxed out with Hunter right now in this situation. Hunter warns Logan there is no way out of that one. Wait till your dad finds out. Hunter is a really good kid. He was parentified at a young age. He's mature. He's responsible. He's wise like an old man stuck in a kid's body. I don't see what the big deal is. I get that they come from a religious community. They come from a different culture with very black and white thinking of this is classy. This is not. I don't think it's a big deal at all. He said fuck once. Maybe he's experimenting with language. 
So what? I don't think it's that big of a deal. It doesn't indicate that he has poor character or that he's not classy or that he's not a good person. You can see what a good soul he is, what a good sibling he is, all that he does for his family, how mature he is, what a good head he has on his shoulders. If saying fuck is the biggest problem this kid has, I would say he's on the right path. There's nothing to worry about. This is not a big deal. Hunter warns Logan. If dad was here, he'd say there's no getting out of this. They act like Logan crashed the car or like he skipped school or like he shoplifted once. He dropped the F-bomb. So what? This kid has been parentified. He's mature. He's responsible. He works very hard for his family. He's loyal to his family. Why is this the end of the world? Are they really that sheltered? It seems to me like Hunter and Logan might have some type of sibling rivalry because in the past, Hunter had the blow up where he called Logan Johnny Appleseed and Logan does try to parent the kids a lot and Hunter doesn't take to it so well. So maybe Logan and Hunter were probably at odds at times growing up. Logan says their dad would say lots of things if he was here right now. And Christine says, She knows that here they are in Vegas and at school the kids here use swear words much more often than they did in Utah. It rubs off on them. And Christine tells Janelle she doesn't care. She doesn't care that Logan is getting after his brothers, but she thinks Logan should be there to inspire his siblings, not to F-bomb on them. If a few F-bombs are all these parents have to worry about, They are lucky. The kids have been through so much with the constant moves and the filming and the fame and the lifestyle and the loss of anonymity, all while living under a polygamous system. So I'd say the Browns did very well. The Brown kids turned out very well. They are lucky. The parents are lucky. And all of the adult kids of at least Mary, Janelle, and Christine, they're all living successful, independent responsible, happy lives. They are thriving as adults. What more can they ask for, really? An F-bomb, you know, in the big picture, is it a big deal? I don't think so. Cody explains that he has always taught Logan that his premier responsibility was to be a gentleman. Theo is pissed. They tell Logan he is staying there. They aren't taking him home. Oh my God, the sky isn't falling because this guy said fuck once. What the fuck? Like, this is too much. How over dramatic are they? All Logan said was fuck, and they act like he is hardcore into drugs or robbing places or stealing or just going down the delinquent path because he said fuck in frustration once. I don't think it's a big deal. Logan tells Leo he is sure that they will take him home because they are his family, and he tells them to woman down, and Leo tells Logan to man up. And Logan says he is. This is unbelievable. For fuck's sake, all Logan said was fuck. He reached the end of his rope. He was frustrated with Hunter and all the complaining. He wanted to enjoy the moment. And everyone's acting like Logan committed a huge atrocity, a heinous crime for saying fuck. Logan explains that Leo holds themselves to a lot higher standards language-wise than any of them do. And Leo says it's not like they've never sworn before. Maddie points out that Hunter swears too. Logan says with Hunter, he doesn't swear nearly as much. Logan says that Hunter normally says, 
people who swear have lower intelligence. Logan points out, just because he swears, it doesn't make him a jerk. It makes him something entirely different. Hunter says it shows that Logan has a lack of intelligence. He's joking, though. He says it very jokingly. Actually, there are recent studies that suggest that people who swear actually have a higher intelligence and higher IQs than those that don't. I don't care. I think a lot of society has old school misconceived notions that swear words equate to class and intellect levels when really that's not the case. Next, the kids who are visiting Utah head to their old house in Lehigh, and it really brings up a lot of emotions for them. Aunt Rebecca lives in the house now. This is the first time since the Browns finished moving out all of their stuff that any of them have been there to see the house. Kids feel like the house has changed drastically. Leo says it's where they not only grew up, but where they all kind of grew up together in that house. Hunter feels they made the house look a lot nicer now than the Browns had it before. It's a different setup and it's very weird for the kids. They juxtapose this very neat, empty house with scenes of all the brown kids piled up playing in the living room or eating in the kitchen and it's weird for everyone. Logan says they held on to the idea of moving back here for so long. They were all pretty convinced when they moved to Vegas that in a couple of months' time, they were going to just be moving back home to the Lehigh house. Mary reflects and she says there was something special about the house in Utah. The fact that they were all there in the same house made it special. Mary says if they can get these four homes that are real close together, that's going to be great. She says it's been hard on the kids and she knows it's been really hard on Cody with them all being so far apart. Mary says Cody now can't easily just stop by and see the kids and a wife at a certain home. It's just not that easy for him with each wife and kids living in a separate rental home. It was a lot simpler for Cody in Utah. All he had to do was walk through the doorway, Mary says. Then why couldn't Cody just help Christine tuck her kids in at night when she worked part-time during her high-risk pregnancy a couple times a week if it was just that easy as walking through the doorway instead of parentifying Aspen at 10 years old, making her tuck her siblings in goodnight, saying that he refused. In confessional, Cody reflects. He says he thinks he liked his life in living the principle of plural marriage the most when they were all living in one home. When they had so much room for everybody to grow, have their own autonomy in their living space. Cody feels that house in Utah was the best house they have ever had an experience in. As the kids are standing in the Lehigh house in what was once their happy family home back in Utah, Leo says they don't regret living in Vegas. They don't regret the memories that they have there, the memories that all of them have together and the new friends that they have. Any of it, they don't regret it at all. As Leo is saying this, Hunter is looking down. He's emotional. Maddie is looking down crying. And Logan looks really sad on the verge of tears. He's very somber. Leo says it makes them really sad. Sad especially being here because Leo and here Leo starts crying 
And Hunter fills in. He adds, because there are so many memories here. The kids are sad. They miss their family as they knew it, all living under one roof. So much has changed for the kids. It's not just the culture shock of Utah to Vegas or adjusting to the school or now living in the four separate homes or moving away from their religious community and everything that they knew, the culture that they knew, the system that they knew. These siblings grew up together and now they're living separately. They don't get to interact as often. They don't get to see their dad as often. Their mom and dads have more tense relationships. Everyone is less connected. With this move, everything they knew changed, even their home life, even their family, even the dynamic. So it's extra hard on these kids and all of it is being filmed. So this is not easy and they feel all of this. The memories flood back. They remember what things used to be like when they are standing in this home and it makes them sad. This is not easy. This is a lot on a child. This is a lot on a teenager. This is a lot on an adult. I really think the kids are standing in what was once one of their kitchens and they feel the weight of living in Vegas separately in the four separate rental homes. They feel the loss. They feel the disconnect and they miss what they had. And it hurts because somewhere in the back of their minds, they probably know they will never experience it again as it was. It will never be the same again. Cody says he longs for the day when he has homes close enough that he can do a bed check every night that he wants to when he feels like it, of course. When it's convenient for him to do the bed check, when he feels up for it. Because again, let's remember during Christine's high-risk pregnancy, when she had to work a few nights a week, Cody refused to tuck his kids in, citing that Christine was asking for more than the other wives got even though everyone lived under one roof and it would just take maybe 20 to 30 extra minutes a few nights a week to tuck his kids in so they felt secure rather than Aspen being parentified, tucking her siblings in at 10 years old, playing the parent when she was in fifth grade. But now Cody dreams of doing bed checks, saying goodnight to all of his kids. But let's remember, even when Cody had the chance When Christine needed Cody to tuck his kids in, he refused. And now he yearns to tuck his kids in, to do a bed check. With the caveat of when he wants to do it, when he feels like it, when it's not an inconvenience for him. But let's remember, he refused to do it when everyone lived in one home and Christine needed him to do tucking the kids in. Then, back then, it was inconvenient. Then it was way too much more than any of the other wives got. Cody now, though, misses the time when he was able to do a bed check. When he was able to kind of just wander through the house and see everybody. So, Cody is really hoping that they're able to get these four homes. And he hopes that they can all get themselves established again with this nostalgic home base where they can see each other whenever they want to and the kids can see each other whenever they want to and he hopes they can once again nurture those relationships in a way that just makes them feel more like a family all together. Maddie says, 
if they get these homes, and she stresses the if, she thinks they'll look back at Vegas and think what they think about Utah. Logan thinks it'll be a little bit different, but he thinks they will have the same feelings about those four homes as the older kids did about living in Utah. Logan feels the Utah house was definitely his favorite house of all time. You know, Cody got the four homes in the cul-de-sac in Vegas. He got his blessing, his miracle, and still he insisted on uprooting his family, who was doing very well. He moved them to Flagstaff, selling them the dream of Coyote Pass, only to call his family, stood behind him every step of the way, the obstacles to his goals in life when Cody would have nothing if not for his family, his now ex-wives and kids. And when Cody's family really needed him the most during a time of anxiety and stress for the world during the Rona, rather than Cody as the husband, as the father, being the family's rock, rather than Cody providing stability, Cody used the Rona to rip his family apart becoming a dictator, demanding this is a patriarchy, bend the knee, kiss the ring. And now Cody has lost most of the relationships with his older kids. He has lost all of his wives but one, and he used manipulation and emotional abuse, toxic tactics to burn everything down from the inside out rather than Cody having gratitude for his blessings. What goals Does Cody have that his family would be an obstacle to? His family should be the goal. They are the ultimate blessing. Rather than having gratitude for his blessings, Cody grew resentful. He grew bitter. His blessings became his burden, his chore. He treated his family like the plague, like a pestilence, like a huge burden. When all he has, he owes to them. Cody said all he wanted was this blessing, this miracle, these four homes, and he got it. And rather than treasure it, Cody insisted on uprooting his family, the team who supported him, who got him where he is today, and he slapped them in the face, calling them obstacles. He let them down when they needed him the most. He saw them as an obstacle to his goals in life rather than as his blessing. And now Cody only has one wife left. He gets his dream to live soulmate and best customer for the rest of his days. But does Cody wish he stayed in that cul-de-sac? Does Cody wish he appreciated his blessings while he had them? Cody wanted to free himself of his obstacles to his goals in life, his family. His family was in the way of his goals. So what has Cody achieved? Free from the burden of most of his kids and three of his wives. What heights has Cody reached? Is Cody any happier now than he was? Cody has tossed every blessing in the trash can. He wanted monogamous bliss. But will Cody be happy next season? Will he have peace or will he grow bitter and old knowing he wishes he appreciated what he had while he had it? Cody once asked, what happened to Team Brown? Team Brown was always there. What changed was Cody. Cody changed his mindset. Cody became paranoid. Cody's priority was no longer the good of the family, the whole family. Cody was the one who switched teams. 
It became us versus them. It was no longer Team Brown because of Cody. Cody bought into us versus them. Narrative, Robin whispered in his ear. They're not accepting us. We're outsiders. They don't accept us. They are bullies. They're mean. They're mean girls. There's clicks. Cody bought into the manipulation. He bought into the bullshit. And now that Cody is stuck with his goblin and the royal children, the wife who blows smoke up his ass in exchange for a charmed life off of the backs of Cody's ex-wives, I wonder, does Cody ever ponder his loss? And when Cody reaches the depths of despair, where will Cody point all of his resentment, all of his anguish and frustration? There is only one wife left, no longer the favorite, now just the only wife. And the best customer service will only take the saleswoman so far when the customer realizes he was sold nothing but bullshit disguised as gold. That does it for this episode. I'll be back next week with the next episode of my Sister Wives Rewatch, Sister Wives Season 4, Episode 9, Mary's Baby Decision, where Cody gets Mary excited again about surrogacy and IVF, only to be the one to tell Mary later on, no, he won't have a baby with her. He won't try when she decides she is finally ready to try. That's how cruel Cody is. But as long as it makes a good storyline, who cares how his wife feels? Feelings are inconvenient, after all. To my YouTube listeners, don't forget to like, subscribe, and let me know your thoughts in the comment section if you like. To my podcast listeners, please don't forget to follow this podcast and rate it with all the stars wherever you listen. I would really appreciate that. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon. Bye.